So welcome to another show, guys. I have very special guest here in front of us today. We're going to be talking a lot of real estate, covering that active passive investing. Why is it good to be in real estate? Is it the right time to do that? So again, today we have we have Matt Pichini. Pichini, yeah. Because <laughs> again, this is the second time. Because you know, you you this is very important because the guest is is the main thing today, and this is very impressive guest with the MJP Property Group. He's a real estate and works with this real estate investment company. He's also a licensed real estate agent, Fenime approved buyer, and has earned both commercial real estate and real estate finance certificates from Boston University. So that's a heavy, uh, heavy thing. So Matt has over 14 years of experience in property analysis, financing, acquisition, construction, and operations. When an investment portfolio of over 2,000 units, Already I told you it's gonna be a great episode. He's a primarily focused on acquiring and repositioning multifamily communities. So again, the continue is just gonna go and go. I'm gonna include the full bio, you know, in the in the <laughs> bottom. It's definitely worth uh, worth reading because he he worked with a lot of great companies and just accomplished a lot of great things. And I'm just very grateful to have you today, Matt. So I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be on the show. Thank you, thank you. So again, maybe we can jump right in because people are just very excited to probably get to know you more. That's why they tuned into this episode just to kind of uh, explore, you know, like how did you start this journey into real estate investment and what did it take for you to get there? Great, yeah. I mean, how it all started. Um, it, you know, I think, I, I'm trying to think back. It, the way that everything started for me was um, I, I used to be in uh, work in the digital marketing world. Um, I lived in New York City. I had I had originally um, been an actor, and that, that's a whole other thing we could talk about at some point in time. But uh, I I was working in digital marketing, and um, I had an opportunity to. Um, uh, work on a, do, do some moonlighting, do a moonlighting project or as, as people are calling it nowadays, like a side hustle, right? And so I had the opportunity to, to build a website for someone I had worked with in the past. And so I had, I had done that, it was a pretty robust site, so I had a little bit of money and I didn't wanna just put it in the stock market. I had a number of things that I had invested in like 401k uh, and things like that in the stock market. And I was like, oh, I wanna invest a little bit differently with, with this little chunk of money. And um, I ended up buying um, some land uh, in a community in Northwest Connecticut. I lived in New York City at the time, so it was about two hours away. And um, eventually over time, I got to a point where I actually decided to build a house there. And um, so, I mean, it was a, almost an acre of property with, like, with trees on it. I mean, it was, it was totally undeveloped. So we had to go ahead and, and cut down the trees and dig and pour a foundation and, and build a house. And, um, you know, my initial thought on that was really that this was going to be a, a vacation home for me, like a, you know, a country home because I lived in Manhattan. Um, and so it was nice to be able to get out of the city. Um, but also that I'd be able to defray the cost of that by maybe renting it out here and there. Um, and what ended up happening, uh, was I rented it out a lot, like a lot, a lot. I, I thought maybe I'd be able to rent it a little over the summer. It ended up being rented the entire first summer and then and then that that whole winter. I didn't even realize that there would be a big winter market because it's right next to a, a little mountain where little kids learn how to ski. Um, so while it's not like a ski resort, like a destination kind of thing that people would go to, it's actually probably the closest mountain to New York City. So a lot of people from New York City would want to go there, you know, when they have children, I would say between the ages of three and 10 who want to learn how to ski. So um, that was really the way that I first started to get involved with rental real estate. I had done a couple of primary home purchases prior to that or primary residences. I lived in New York City where you can't really buy a necessarily like a house, but co-ops and condos, I had done that. Um, and uh, I learned a ton from that experience. Uh, I learned a lot um, about just the construction uh, because we had done everything from soup to nuts, but I also learned a lot about uh, different concepts like for accounting and like 
depreciation and what is depreciation and kind of like how does all of that stuff work i never was was trained in that so um i got a lot of experience doing that and that was you know my first entry into uh investment real estate yeah yeah so that was the first entry so what was yeah. the what was the second entry <laughs> So from there, I moved on and I started flipping some properties. Um, and those things, you know, most of them would go okay. I lost money on some. Um, it, the way that um, I was able to get a lot of these properties, uh, they were in situations where you weren't able to do an inspection. So you could kind of get a visual look at it, maybe peeking through the windows, but you, you didn't really get to go through with an inspector. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that people do that, but um, I, I did that and um, I got bit from that a couple of times. I mean, you, there are things that you don't know about that may be lurking behind walls um, mm. that are costly to fix. Um, bad plumbing, bad wiring, things of that nature, or mold, all those types of things can really end up uh, costing a lot to to fix or remediate. So. Um, that was that was some interesting times, um, and then I eventually came upon um, multifamily investments, and you know, I had always wanted to go bigger, uh, but for me, I thought I needed to you know have some rich uncle that I didn't know about die and leave me millions of dollars, or uh, there was really no way for me to get involved in the large multifamily. You know, I didn't have a, you know, a heck of a lot of money. I, I, I did well for myself uh, in my career, but to have tens of millions of dollars, it was not where I was. Um, and, but I came upon a thing called syndication, which I'm sure most of your viewers have heard about at this point, but I, I'm going back, you know, for six, seven, eight years ago, I didn't know what it was. Uh, and, and for anyone who doesn't know, syndication is where a bunch of investors can work together and pool their money and their resources together to take down an asset that they wouldn't normally be able to take down on their own. So it's about a group of people coming together to be able to do bigger things than they can do on their own. Um, so uh, I started to get involved in syndication and I started getting involved from a passive perspective where I would invest in people's deals. Um, and I still do that um, quite often, actually. Um, but I've also gotten to a point now where sometimes I'm the person putting the deal together. Um, and that, traditionally, that person is called a sponsor or a general partner. And that person has a lot of roles and responsibilities in doing, they do a lot of work. Um, so you get compensated for all of that work that you're doing, um, as, as well as I also obviously invest my own money in all of my, in, in all the deals, even the ones that I'm, that I'm sponsoring. I, I, I'm an investor first and foremost. So I have, you mentioned in my intro that I have, I have over 2000 units now. Um, it's not 2000 units that I own hundred percent by myself. Um, some of them I do own by myself, but the vast majority of them I have fractional ownership of mm -hmm. and about 75% of that portfolio are deals that I am just a passive investor or what some people call a limited partner in those deals and then the other 25% of those deals are ones that you know either I own outright or I'm the lead um, syndicator or sponsor um, on those deals yeah I mean it's I love the story I love the part one and part two definitely and look it, it does matter like you you mentioned you put emphasis like look I don't own the units and it's like it doesn't matter you know because you don't like whatever it takes for you to create the income, the wealth, or whatever, you know, your financial goal is, like, everybody's just looking, oh, I want to own stuff. Like, no, just, it's better to be 5% into something than 0% into nothing. So, you know, and you probably, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're like, well, off financially, just being, taking that percentage from, from these, you know, big, big part of being part, big part of the deals. So that's exactly where I'm coming from, you know, because before the interview, I mentioned, like, Passive income is perfectly fine. You know, now multifamily syndication, particularly, I see a lot of people joining, starting like every day, even now uh, where markets are very shaky, I would say, you know, with all the viruses and stock markets and you know what's going to happen next. Everybody's already expecting a, from a, for a downturn, right? 
but people yeah. are still starting because they think like i need to own stuff like no you know so it, it doesn't make sense if you can be part of the deals just like exactly what matt is exactly what he does just do that so definitely so what would be an advice again for people who still would say to me because i know these people are already commenting and saying no martin i want to be active in the deals i want to do my own thing fine mm -hmm. you know do that what type of advice would you give for those people if they're kind of starting fresh from nothing yeah well um you know martin as, as you mentioned i think the market right now is super hot um you know this is what i do professionally um i spent you know 40 plus hours a week you know doing this this is this is my full-time job and you know i'm lucky at this point in the market if i get one or two deals a year um and it's because the market's super hot right now now i could have taken down five or six deals last year if i wanted to probably even more if i would be willing to overpay um but i'm not um you know i have an obligation um to my investors and also to myself to not get into bad deals um and so one of the things that I think is driving up the market is that there are so many people who want to get involved mm -hmm. and um, don't necessarily have the the training in the background to be getting involved at, at an active level. Um, and so, you know, the, I think it's really important that people get some sort of background experience and, and preferably training. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I joined one of these mentorship groups. You have to be very careful if you're going to do that. They're very expensive. Most of them are very expensive. Um, I, I looked at it as, uh, well, you mentioned earlier that I have these two certificates from Boston University and that, that took me three years to, to acquire. Um, it's, it's not a, a, a quick thing and they were in, in person. It wasn't like an online kind of situation. Um, but, the the things that i learned from there are, are are the things that i had already learned like from my from my mentorship group that i was in i i did learn a lot from boston university i'm not downplaying it in boston university a lot of the courses i were taking on was was like new construction new development retail industrial office space so i i didn't know anything or, or very little about those before taking those classes so i learned a ton but the classes that were based on multifamily, um I didn't really learn anything and just because I knew it and was already, you know, a practitioner in that space. Um, and, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is, you know, while these groups can cost tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what you're joining and at what level, um, so can college. And this is like going to, you know, I mean, it's like kind of like it's an education in a business and it's important to know and understand your business that you're getting involved in. Now, again, you have to be extremely careful with what mentor you're going with and you need to vet this because I think there's a lot of people out there that are sort of charlatans and are selling a bill of goods that, they, that are not good. Got it. Um, so can we stop on that a little bit, you know, for the people? Sure. Again, they would love to ask that question because it's yeah. in my head. Uh, like, how, how, do you vet the, how do you vet those type of people? What's the yeah. problem? That's a good question. And uh, I mean, I can tell you what I did. Um, I looked online at, uh, and did, tried to Google people online to see if anything came up like, God forbid, you know, person's been convicted of fraud or something like, you know, to make sure that like, nothing bad really comes up about them. Um, you know, reviews can be a little different because some people get upset about some little thing and write a bad review and mm -hmm. that but if there's hundreds of negative reviews, well, you know, that's something to know. But there, yeah. <laughs> for, for me, I ended up getting to meet a lot of people who are involved in my mentors program. And a lot of them were actually um, successful. Uh, and just because there were so many that I met, people at different levels with different backgrounds that were having different, you know, varying degrees of success, not that like everyone was a rock star. Um, I got a level of comfort there. I still was, was literally sweating when I wrote that first check for the large mentorship thing, because I, I don't think I've ever written a single check besides maybe the purchase of a home, you know, for, 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 for a thing before. 
Um, but it was definitely worth it. I mean, getting a mentor can help, um, you know, collapse timelines and you can get a lot further, a lot faster, and you can avoid a lot of mistakes that you would make on your own. I mean, my first deal, my first multifamily deal that I took down with the exception of a, a duplex that I had owned, um, was 132 units, $10 million deal. I don't know a lot of people who do not have like a mentor or some sort of group that they've joined who can jump from two units to 132 units. Yeah. Um, it's a big jump. It is a big jump. Yeah. So come on. So get, get. I think education, I don't look, I don't think that's the only, I don't think you have to. I mean, there's plenty of people who are successful who never joined a mentorship yeah. group. Yeah. But but getting education through listening to pod, listening or watching podcasts like this one, like the many others that are out there, reading books and getting yourself educated is super important. And you know everyone needs to really learn the rigor of really going through this underwriting and understanding where we are in the market cycle, and that things you're not going to have five percent rent growth for the next ten years. It's just not going to happen. So if that's what you're underwriting or you're underwriting that you're going to sell the property at the same cap rate that you're buying it at now, I don't think there's a strong likelihood that that's going to happen. I think the market's going to soften up and that's what I put in my underwriting. And that's what allows me to sleep easy at night because I know my deals are, are, are protected. So if I only do one deal a year, that's okay. I'd rather do that than do 10 deals a year and be worried that's all the time. That my force it. Yeah. 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 You, you don't force it. Yeah. So, so that's good. And again, you know, maybe we can cover due diligence and, you know, um, underwriting and raising capital in a great detail. No, I'm just joking because again, this is, <laughs> this is, this is for the, that, that's my point because, you know, that's why I love having people just like yourself on a, on a, on a, you know, episodes just like this one. And I enjoy listening and I think, you know, and I, I don't think I know, uh, audience enjoys as well because it's all about hearing the story and story is more impactful than talking about underwriting and like how do you raise capital like that that's why you know i show you this book like that's why these books are for this is the homework this is behind the scenes and like this is where you go like close the curtains and you just study you go mentorships and such but that's why i love you know like talking the journey and you know the mindset and what it takes you know for people you know, because somebody will come across and somebody will be like, boom, maybe I don't need to be active in the deals. Maybe it starts to make sense for me from today. So we want to reach those people and want to just wake people up, you know, because again, well, what's I mean, yeah. the other thing, Martin, is I, I learned a lot by passively investing in deals. Exactly. By watching how other people were operating. I, I was in, I don't know, I want to say like, six or seven, I think, passive deals before I did my first sponsorship deal. And I learned a ton from watching how other people were, were communicating with their investors. And also they would explain when they got into sort of sick, sticky situations and how we were going to get out of it. And so I learned a ton from, from that. So not only was I making money from cash flow um, from being invested in those deals, but I was also getting some education from it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's definitely an approach that many, many guests before uh, previously said exactly that, that it works. So what do you think about like passive investing? Can you talk about it, you know, to somebody that would be interested, you know, like there's one guy sitting here in front of you and, uh, you know, what, like what benefits does it produce for, for somebody? First of all, like how much uh, a person should have you know, like liquid, like to invest, what's the minimum, what's the returns, what's the exit? Like, can you talk about equity multiples? Like what's, you know, like just take us through the process, you know, of, of passive investing. Yeah. Um, sure. I can talk about it sort of in, in generality. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it have to be obviously. Specific. Yeah. Obviously it's going to matter sort of depending on like what the deal is and, and, and all of that stuff. Usually when I see these deals, um, the you know, ones I'm looking to invest in or ones I'm bringing out to people, they, they all kind of sort of tend to fit around the same general kind of parameter. So usually the minimum investment in the deal will be somewhere between fifty dollars to $100,000. Um, but sometimes the deals will, might have an investment as low as $25,000. 
I've never seen any that are lower than 25,000. Yeah. Um, and just to give you like an idea of sometimes, you know, that those are high numbers, at least for someone who's first getting involved in this, the way that it works, let's say I'm doing a deal and I have to raise two and a half million dollars to get my deal done. Well, if I have a $25,000 minimum and everyone comes in the minimum, I'm going to have a hundred different investors. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my operation, you're pretty much looking at it. I don't have any other employees. I mean, I hire a CPA and I hire property management companies and things like that, but I don't have like a internal infrastructure to do all the admin stuff. So that would mean I would have to be coordinating with a hundred people within a short period of time to make sure all their paperwork is in order, that we've got all the funds in order. And it's, that's a lot to deal with. And then I have to ongoingly support those people moving forward. If they have questions about things, I get calls, I get emails. It would be, I think, overwhelming. So if I'm raising two and a half million dollars, maybe I push my, you know, uh, my threshold up to to 50,000. And then maybe I have some people who come in higher and some people who come in at 50 and, and I end up with like maybe 30 investors, 40 investors. And that's a little bit more manageable. So that's from the minimums side of, you know, what's required usually to invest. Um, And then in terms of returns, again, it depends on the deal. But what I'm generally seeing out in the marketplace is anywhere from, you know, an 8 to 12 percent cash on cash return during the hold period. So so what that means is, let's say I put $100,000 in a deal that would mean I'm making between, you know, eight to, to $11,000 a year off of, off of that initial investment. Uh, yep. The cash on cash is the return uh, that you're getting based on the amount of capital you put into a deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then generally what I'm seeing is people targeting an exit in five to seven years and the returns are anywhere from usually like, 70 or 80 percent to a hundred percent i mean there used to be a time a few years ago where it seemed like everybody was like 10 you know minimum 10 percent cash on cash returns and double your money in five years or less that's that's what i think it it used to be a few years ago and now because the market is so tight it's it's loosened up a little bit so maybe it's double your money in six years or seven years or 90 percent you know not quite double your money you know so in terms of equity multiple 1.9 instead of a two um just sort of depending on the particular the particulars of a deal uh but there's nothing set in stone on that so there'll be deals that have much lower cash on cash and maybe a much higher return or vice versa. Maybe they're very high cash flowing, but don't have a very high return. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it depends on each individual deal and whatever that sponsors is, however they've, they've structured it. Got it. So can we talk about the deals, you know, and uh, maybe more, you know, in particular specifically, like what markets are you looking for? Like why these markets? And what do you see going on at these markets? So like it, it, it like you caught your attention in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that I have any particular favorite markets. Um, I, I, there are certain parts of the country like the South and the, the mid South and the Midwest um, where I tend to focus more of my efforts than in the Northeast. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I would love to buy something around here. Uh, the, the, well, real estate around here is phenomenal. Okay. The market around here is unbelievable. Uh, you know, during the last downturn did not get hurt that much inside the greater Boston area I'm talking about. Um, they didn't see the property values go down all that much. They they went down, it went down everywhere, but it didn't get hit as hard as, as a lot of other places did. And, um, I think it's because there's so many different diverse um uh, economies around here uh, and diverse you know workforce and, and people and interests and, and 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 it makes the greater boston area fantastic and i think it is an amazing place to invest if you're looking to uh for wealth preservation so if you have you know a million dollars that you really want to just park somewhere and you know that it's going to be in really good shape like for long long term I think Boston is 
should definitely be on your consideration set. I mean, I think it's. And is it is perfect. it going to be? Is it going to be based like is the cash from cash is going to be or be be higher like or are we going to just no gonna... no no you're not going to get very little cash on cash around here and I don't think your capital is going to grow yeah. so that's why I don't invest here um, I've been working on some per some new development projects which are completely different around here but um, in, in terms of looking for growing your capital and growing your wealth I don't think the Northeast is the best place to be right now. I think being in places like the South, and so that's where a lot of my investments are, uh, are not around here. Although I, I just wanted to be clear that like the Boston market is a good, strong market. It just depends on what your goals are. Yeah. Um, and so that being said, I think you want to look at markets where you're seeing population growth. Uh, and, and that is usually driven by employment, right? So you want to see places where employers are going. I mean, look at Nashville as an example. Nashville is is booming right now. I know Alliance Bernstein, which is a big, um, you know, investment banking uh, financial, I should say financial um, company that was based in New York City. Uh, from what I understand, they've closed their offices down completely in New York and moved everybody to Nashville. I know Amazon, even though there was all this hoopla about HQ2, I was actually in uh, for Amazon's HQ2. I, I was actually in Nashville the week that, that was getting announced the, that, that it was going to be awarded. And what wasn't, what was being overshadowed, that, that overshadowed some news about Nashville, which was that Amazon opened up a whole bunch of like high paying marketing type of jobs. I think it was like 40 or 50 jobs or something like, uh, it was a, I, I, you know what, don't quote me on the number. I just remember it was a large amount for Nashville of, of high paying jobs in Nashville that were going in there. And so you've got a lot of growth going on in that area. So Nashville might be an area uh, that you'd want to look at. I mean, obviously, Texas, the Texas Triangle from DFW down to San Antonio over to Houston, that makes a triangle. Um, Austin's in the, is in that triangle, you know, if you, if you make lines there. And, and inside that triangle, but also outside of that triangle. But Texas in general is doing really well. DFW's on fire in terms of growth. I mean, it's just exploding. Um, but there's other little parts across the country. Jacksonville's great. You know, a lot of people are buying stuff in Huntsville, Alabama, Kansas City, uh, India, Indianapolis. Um, uh, so there are a lot of different places uh, where I think you're seeing uh, population growth uh, fueled by this, this, this job growth. And um, those are great places to invest in, um, provided that they're not getting overbuilt. So that's the other thing you have to sort of lay out. Oh yeah, there's there's multiple things that you have to pay attention to. I mean, at the same time, and that's why you, that's why anybody should you know partner with people who are already established in a, like in a space, same as exactly you did. Then you don't have to kind of figure you know do the market research. There's some other guy who does that. Somebody does underwriting. You, you raise the capital. Let's say, you know, that's the scenario. And, you know, you just split, split, you know, the work because there's a lot of moving pieces in real estate, you know, syndication business. So the one, the one thing I would caution you on or your, your, your viewers on, um, and something that you said is in terms of, um, divvying up that work, which is, which is great. It's, it's nice to have a few partners that you can divvy the work up against. But nobody can have their only job be um, capital raising. Um, it's actually in violation of the SEC, and you would want to talk with an SEC attorney about that. And so that's that's something that's really important is that you get a really good SEC attorney um, who can explain how syndication works to make sure there's a lot of things that people may do completely innocently, like not trying to you know break the law but you just don't you don't know the law so you you need to hire good professionals which is another reason why getting some sort of training um, is, is important because you'll you can learn a lot of at least the basics of these things and then be able to hire the right professionals yeah. um, you know I I run a meetup here in Boston um, and you know one of the things about the meetup is bringing we like to I like to bring in vendors who offer different services so people can get exposed to them and they'll, they'll talk about, you know, what, what they do. But I, you know, often I'll speak at my meetup and I, I did a, a presentation recently on a deal I had closed 
and and I called the presentation with a little help from my friends. And and what it was was I was talking about all my all my friends or my business friends or my colleagues, but people that I've put together that are on my team um, when I'm doing a deal. So that's you know my mortgage guy, my tax consultant guy, my CPA. Like there's all these different people and vendors that you need to have um, to be successful in this business. Yeah. And so it's important that you know what kind of roles you need to fill on your team. Yeah, yeah. again, I love that you just cleared this out because again, I'm not the guy who, to, who, you know, who you have to go and talk with about real estate syndication. This is your guy sitting here in front of you. Like <laughs> I, I know like SEC regulations, particularly when we create content on social media, I see people mm -hmm. cross the lines as, as well because by the regulations, you're not, you, you cannot put any offerings on social media as well because that's a violation. You know, well, it depends which one you're doing, right? Because there's two yeah. different kinds of syndication. Oh, there, there's, 506B, yeah. you can't do any advertising, but a 506C, you can. And those are the kinds of things that, but I always run those kinds of things, like any social media posts or anything like that by my SEC attorney before I do it, just to make sure I'm not crossing the line. Exactly. Because people, people, you know, they're just looking to get more attention and that's where, that's where they make those shortcuts again. And that's coming back. That's probably the people that you mentioned, the ones who are overpaying, they're getting involved. They don't look at the market conditions. They just don't care. They just see this as a shiny object. They're like, man, I'm going to go there for the fees. And, you know, it's going to get ugly at some point and it's going to get ugly for them and for the investors, but hopefully not. So, you know, what do you recommend like for people? I don't know. You, you mentioned, you know, self-development and I would love to go maybe deeper again, just uh, before we transition to self-development, like what would be the reason? Cause you already know the reason uh, for you to go and invest and build this, you know, real estate business and the wealth and the money, like what's the, what's the why behind the why kind of thing? Oh, my why? Yeah. Uh, people ask me that question. Sometimes they say, what's your why? And I hold up my phone. I'm not going to do it right now because it's the internet and everything, but I, I have on the phone a picture of my two girls and that's my why. My why is my family, my wife, uh, and my, my, I have two little girls and, uh, it, it's all, it's all about them as far as I'm concerned, you nice. know, so, so, so and just to, to dig into that a little bit more, you know, one of the things that I'm able to do, uh, thankfully with the, the business that I've created, which has taken many, many years, um, is uh, be able to schedule my time. Um, it, it, I, and I work, I actually do work a lot, a lot of hours. And there's a lot of things going on, but I'm able to shift my time around to times that work for me. I mean, I can work from 1am to 5am um, and maybe take off from 1pm to 5pm. So in a couple of weeks, my daughter has a field trip at her school and they needed some chaperones and I signed up and I'm going to go uh, on a field trip with them um, as a chaperone. And, you know, my daughter has, you know, they, certain days off of school, like, you know, there's, you know, Labor Day or whatever the different days are that they might have off of school or teacher work day or spring break or things like that. I have the ability to not have to work on those days um, and, and be able to spend time with my family. And that's, that's really important to me, um, spending time with, with, with my family. Mm, got it. Yeah. Got it. That, that's very powerful. So the business, no, sorry, the family, and then it's the business, not the other way around, right? Yeah, I, I would say definitely. You know, I mean, I uh, the business is important. Yeah. It's not to the detriment of my business, um, yeah. but family is important. Family first, always. Um, and and like I'm saying, with the uh, you know, I can do stuff with my kids are sleeping. You know, I can work at night. It's not a problem um, if if I need to spend the day with with my child because you know, they're little kids too. They get sick sometimes, so I got a sick kid. Yeah. I got to stay home with the kid and take care of them and make sure. What, what what will be the ultimate success again? Having this business right now, the the level of success that you achieve currently. What what the ultimate success would look like for you and your family? You know, I think I'm pretty much there right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at a point now, um, you know, I've, I've got a, you know, where I'm, I'm feeling good financially. I'm continuing to grow that. Uh, I'm not driving around a Maserati or anything like that. But, you know, not, I'm also not worried about like, how am I going to pay, pay my electric bill, right? So 
Um, I feel like I'm in a good financial position right now. And uh, I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing, right? So being involved in um, real estate, uh, I, I tend to help uh, people who are looking to create passive income. And also I've been helping people who are looking to be active, um, doing some, some, some help on, on, on that side of things as well, which is very uh, personally rewarding. I had people help me out when I first started. Um, and, uh, and, and doing deals and, and, and helping generate passive income for people who, who have the same sort of goals, who don't necessarily want to, um, you know, maybe they don't want to be a full-time real estate syndicator, but hey, look, you know, to get the, we didn't even get into the tax benefits of the passive investing, but with the real estate, the depreciation is incredible, um, which is, a, a, you have a whole nother show just about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've got, I've got friends that are, you know, that are are have some income coming in that they can use for vacations or they can put away for their kids college or whatever they want to do with that that's like extra money for them that's better than anything they would have gotten on wall street and it's not correlated to wall street so you know I, i'm not telling i would never tell anyone don't invest in the stock market i don't put a lot of eggs in that basket because i just don't understand it things go weird like earnings are great and stocks go down or earnings are great and the stocks go up and it's like I, it, I don't seem to really be able to find a rhyme or reason for a lot of these things um but I would never tell people not to invest in that but I do think it's wise to diversify your portfolio and invest in actual real tangible assets not paper assets but an actual like physical building I think there's some advantages to uh to, to investing in those types of assets well, I think you're downsizing by saying some advantages, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot. You can build whatever, like whatever your goal is financially or, you know, like my, like money is just a tool at the end of the day. Like it helps you to have the lifestyle that you enjoy with your families. You can have a quality time, like go do shopping or just, you know, go on trips with your family. And that's what it does. That, that that's all it is, you know, and you get paid by providing value to some other people and just doing a good service. So, you know, you mentioned, again, I would love to talk about that because I think, you know, like you've been in Boston University, which is, it's a big deal. I mean, Boston University is well-known university all over the world, right? So, you know, what do you think, like how many people from that, they just finished whatever they finished on, they continue with their lives and some of them work, you know, some were Boston Starbucks, some of them just, you know, doing whatever, staying in moms and, you know, like, so I see like people just focusing on that. I think, you know, people are changing a little bit and they're seeing the, you know, the impact that personal development gives instead of, you know, going to university. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but, you know, I don't know, like maybe you can give an example. Let's say, how do you imagine your daughters like raising? Are you going to take them through university or are you going to raise them from a business standpoint because again you see now you see the differences and uh again you're probably leaning towards more of the business because again uh as you said you know having these certificates from boston university it helped but uh you know if i'll probably ask you the same question after after we stop recording maybe your answer would be different but you probably learned the same <laughs> stuff while you were working in a real estate business no, my answer is going to be the same whether you're recording or not. But um, so uh, to be so so I didn't go I didn't delve into my my whole background. But um, you should know I um, I went to I graduated high school. I went to a year of community college in Orlando, Florida, where I grew up. Uh, I then moved to New York City, where I went to a musical theater conservatory. I was there for um, two years. Uh, I graduated. Um, from that conservatory, but I did not graduate college at that time. I didn't have a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. I then pursued a career in theater for five years. Then I had my own business doing digital marketing for, uh, for several years and then was working in-house at Showtime. And that's when I went back to college. This is still in New York City. And I ended up getting my BFA in theater because of the two years from the conservatory that I had had attended. Um, so I got a, I got a, a BFA in musical theater from the new school in, in New York City. 
Boston University, I, I just moved to Boston uh, about two and a half years ago, um, between two and a half to three years ago. And as soon as I moved here, that's when I started the curriculum at Boston University for three reasons. Number one, to meet other real estate professionals in the industry in Boston. Number two, to learn about Boston through learning about the real estate, because all the teachers here are doing deals in Boston and they're, they're all professionals here in Boston. And then number three, to fill in any gaps in knowledge that I might have, which was mainly on, I thought there might be some on the multifamily, there really wasn't, but definitely learned a lot when it comes to retail, industrial, office space, and new development. Um, so Boston University was a certificate program, and if you look at the, the educational history that I just gave, it's, it's, it, I think it, it would be far from a traditional, you know, go to high school, uh, go to college for four years, and then maybe uh, take a year or two off, maybe go to a graduate program or maybe not. I, I didn't do that. Um, in, in terms of what I'm gonna do with my children, I think it's gonna really be dependent upon them. They're very young right now, mm -hmm. so uh, we have a long ways to go. Um, I don't necessarily think that a four-year college is, is the right thing for everybody. Um, We'll see where things are. Uh, I mean, we've I've got, I don't know, like 13 years, I guess, until my first kids in yeah. going to college. So the world can change a lot between yeah. now and then. Um, I would think that if one of my daughters said to me that they really wanted to be involved in um, the real estate business, um, that, and, 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 and that they wanted to to work with me and 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 learn um, that 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 may be a possibility. Um, I, I'm also just cognizant of the fact, and I am not like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. I'm not like I'm not anywhere, not even close to that. But I mean, just looking at those from examples, and 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 I don't even know. I said Bill Gates, but I'm not even sure about Bill. I know that Warren Buffett, like he's not leaving a lot of money for his children. Mm -hmm. I think he's leaving enough so that they'll never be like on the street destitute, right? But I think um, that the feeling and the thought there, besides being a philanthropist and, and giving money to good causes, is that I think part of the theory is just like if you create this generational wealth without like, like your kids can become like, like lazy and not, not learn and not, you know, so, so I, I you know that I, I'm always cognizant of that. I, I don't think I ever want to like just give my girls everything so that they never have to to work and don't learn like the value of a dollar and things like that. I mean, I I grew up from a you know, I, I it was okay, but I wasn't like I didn't grow up wealthy. I at 15 years old I started working part time at a car wash, and then when I was 16 I started working still part time, but um, to be able to afford to buy uh, a car that I had, you know, it's not like my parents bought me it. Like I had to like go get a job and work and make car payments. And I certainly learned the value of a dollar and, and, mm. and, and working for my money. Um, nothing was ever handed to me. So I, I think that's important for, for people to, to learn that value. You just nailed it. You know, it's because this day and age, Again, you've seen it because you, you had a digital, you know, marketing business previously, right? So, and that was, how long ago was that? The digital marketing stuff? I mean, I, I did that full-time um, around 1995 till around 2000. And then, or 90, 96 to 2001, I think are probably the accurate numbers. And then um, I continued to do that though up until a few years ago when I started doing the real estate full time. I would do projects here and there, sort of just depending on what was going on. But you know, after after two, in two thousand one, uh, the end of two thousand one is when I stepped more into the corporate digital marketing world and started working my way up the the corporate ladder, as they say. That is awesome. That is very interesting. And the reason I ask, because again, that was kind of, you started very early in a cycle when it's just all kind of fresh, new, because people now got used to this thing right here. Again, coming back to being, you know, like having the feeling of like, I'm inherited, like you're supposed to leave me something. Like, man, you, you're so lazy because of this right now. You cannot move your, you know, butt like two feet from you. 
So yeah. like, it's gonna become a problem. Like, and that's why I'm saying like, you know, uh, like people have to know how to work because what you said, you just gave a story of 15 years old, washing cars, like it's work, man. Because I, I started working very young as well and I understood like I need to make money, I need to do things. Like when, when you buy your own stuff, it's different when you just go and ask, oh, like, mommy, give me, a, give me a few dollars. It doesn't make sense, you know, like work ethic. And people, I think it's, it's a dying, dying thing. It's because everybody now just looks through this social media lens. Because again, I work through, like I have a company and I see like young people just looking through that lens and just seeing all the like, you know, ads that floating like on Instagram or whatever platform. And they just like see these people traveling the world, working on a computer, like having the business and the freedom, the life. And they look at it like, man, I don't need to work. I don't need the work ethic. It's a wrong, it's a wrong perspective that, that people are having. And I'm, I'm very happy that you cleared this out saying you need to go and wash some cars, man. You need to go and, and, and hustle or whatever the word previously used before. So you, people, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make my girls work at a car wash. Um, I hated that job. Um, but I do think something like some, some way of sort of teaching them a, a work ethic. And that might be, yeah. that might be, uh, you know, doing some work for me, right? Like filing or, uh, you know, doing chores around the house to get an allowance, just the, the kind of sort of basic things where you can just teach people how, um, you know, money doesn't just come to you unless you invest it passively and then it does just come to you. But, yeah. you know, t teaching them sort of that, the, the value of a dollar and how, how uh, the, the whole, um, you know, how, how work works. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I just want to, like, look, short story, and you probably know, like, Donald Trump, like, love him or hate him. Like, I'm not, like, going to be talking politics. But look, his father was in real estate. He got involved into real estate. And now people look at him, he's, like, he's crazy all over the place. He's, like, rough and, like, angry, whatever people say. Look, the guy was, like, back in whatever the time, 1980s, 19, like, long, like, 20 you know years ago 30 years ago he was knocking like in new york on doors and saying give me my money give me my rent i mean that's how a guy got to where he is right now you know because again he he hustled you know and look at this look at this children right now like they're involved like they're involved part of the business and such so i mean through that you know through the work and hustle and showing your children like what it takes to go to the levels that you are on I think, I think, you know, some, some great, beautiful flowers can bloom from that and, and it's going to continue generations, you know, from that. So again, before we wrap up, I would love to touch one uh, subject because I think it's, it's very dear kind of to my heart and a lot of people are, you know, getting more involved. It's kind of relates to the university thing and personal development. Again, uh, I don't know if you're a big reader, like I show you one book, I probably got a few more, but that's it, you know? So what rec what books would you recommend for people it could be real estate based three business books personal development or real estate so three books for people to go and grab three books sure yeah okay um the one thing right gary keller's book the one thing that's a good book okay i just started reading the e-myth for real estate investors i've heard it's really good i don't know i haven't read it but i hear it's really good Wow. The e-myth for real estate investors. Interesting. And then um, a buddy of mine who's an investor had me read the Tony Robbins book, Unshakable. And that was interesting. Not really. Uh, so I'm not, a, I'm not a Tony Robbins guy. Like I've never been to any of his uh, events. My, my friend has. He's a big Tony Robbins guy. You don't, you don't like jumping up and down? or what, what's the No, book? I don't have anything against it. I just haven't, I haven't gone to one. Um, yeah. and, but I know what it's kind of like about. And so I was reading this book expecting kind of like the Tony Robbins jumping up and down thing. And the book's broken into three sections. And the first two sections, there's like nothing. And I was kind of like, what is, like, I didn't understand. It was more of an analytical book breaking down kind of how financial advisors work and stuff like that. It's eye-opening. It's really interesting read. Mm -hmm. But then I got to part three and then it was like the Tony Robbins rah-rah kind of like the, the whole, it was like about the mentality of uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was, it was an interesting book. So that, that one I, I, I think is good too. So those, those are three books that I might recommend somebody check out. Um, yeah. 
Awesome, awesome. You know, it, it's interesting because you didn't mention uh, Robert Kiyosaki, which is that poor that that's everybody. everybody. I'm telling you, everybody who's watching this <laughs> podcast has already read that one. They already read that one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I go, I, I, you know, I run a meetup, but I also, I speak often at different meetups and things. And yeah. Whenever I bring it up. So when, when I tell my, I, I have a whole presentation where I tell my story of like how I got to where I am, whatever. One of the slides is a picture of rich dad, poor dad. And um, I always say like, okay. And, and this familiar smile and head, nod heading always comes over the crowd and then I say, who here's who here read the purple book? And like 95% of the hands go up. And even wow. when it's a non-real estate crowd, I mean, it's just anybody who's interested yeah. in sort of that passive cash flow stuff, they've all read that book. So I'm, I'm sure um, I'd be shocked if anyone watching this podcast or listening to it has not, um, hasn't read it. And if you haven't, check it out. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, fantastic book. Fantastic. I mean, changed my life, changed my totally changed my 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 mindset 100 percent cash flow quadrant did it for me no oh, cash flow quadrant it's good yeah, i got that one i read it i was like employee uh self-employed business investor and i was like man it makes total sense how do i get how do i get there how do i get to the right side because i i want to be right i don't want to be left behind you know uh like with the crumbs and all of that so Definitely great book. So, you know, I appreciate you, you know, uh, tuning in today and just, you know, telling the story. Cause again, that's why I love, uh, I, like it's the, I got a couple lessons, which are good again, just for people to remind themselves the work ethic, you know, the reasons coming back to the reasons why you're doing the business. And it could be just again, simple and beautiful as just the family members. Cause you know, people thinking Porsche and a jet, just look back at the people that are around you and just, you know, like do something for, for them and, you know, give the time and value for those people. Cause at the end of the day, when we all gone, we're just going to remember the, the times and the memories that we had, not the things and, you know, money or whatever that we collected. So before we're going to go off, uh, if you tell people social media platforms that they can reach out to you, talk, maybe ask a few questions about real estate investing. Maybe there will be people who will be interested into investing in one of your offerings as well. So what those platforms would be? Yeah. I mean, if people want to reach out to me uh, to talk about passive or active investing, um, best thing to do is, I mean, I'm on Facebook and things like that, LinkedIn. Uh, but the best thing is probably to just email me. My email address is super easy. It's M-A-T-T at mjppg.com and that's my website you can contact me through that as well mjppg.com you can go on there and there's a contact form and a link to my email um and you can sign up for this newsletter that i that i send out once a quarter so um yeah i love talking with people about real estate that people with zero units or people with a million units so feel free to reach out Awesome. Awesome. You know, I can feel that, you know, and you can feel exactly the same guys. This guy is a go-giver, you know, he's here to provide the value. So again, this topic was more again about the story of, of Matt, but if you want to reach out to him and ask questions about real estate investing, you can find all the links as always down below. So click one of the links and get in contact with him. And, you know, again, I just really appreciate the time and effort and all the information and the story that you just told. You know, I, I got some really good laughs and just some great, really lessons just to remind myself and uh, how I can improve my life going, for, you know, further from, from here, from this point. So I really thank you for that. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation this afternoon. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Thank you. Thank you. So again, guys, if you enjoy the show, you already know what to do. Click the subscribe button, click the like. So actually that was supposed to be something like that, but you know, you're a smart guy. So subscribe, like to this video. If you enjoyed it, the same share it with the friends, with the people that are close to you so they can learn how to invest into real estate, how to have the right mindset and you know, uh, how to be in this beautiful journey today with Matt Piccini. So I appreciate you today and I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thanks you guys.